Let's take our Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 1. And we'll be a couple different places here. <clears throat> We've been looking at the series, Planning Your Life God's Way, uh, from the book by Dr. Tim Barry over in the Philippines. And I believe that, as I've mentioned, this is a topic that uh, we all face. Is this God's will or is it not? A decision comes up, an opportunity and we, we want to know, is this God's will? We don't want to miss His will, and thankfully we don't have to. And I trust that this series will help us as we are looking to find God's perfect will. Chapter 10 is tonight, Assess Your Open Doors. Assess Your Open Doors. You know, a lot of times we, we oversimplify finding God's will. And we basically say, if it's an open door, it's God's will. If it's a closed door, it's not. There we go. Perfect. Uh, but that is definitely oversimplified. We'll see that tonight. Open doors and closed doors can certainly be a part of God's leading, but we can't just check our brain at the door. And if some opportunity opens up for us, we just automatically assume that that is God's will. Or if something closes, we can't just assume that it's not God's will. It may mean it's not God's time or he wants us to uh, go a different direction to get to that door. Uh, but we'll look at that tonight. Uh, one door we definitely don't want to go through is the door to sin. And that is uh, part of the application in tonight's, tonight's chapter. Proverbs 1 and verse 10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. There are certainly many open doors to sin. And just because things are legal and accessible and everybody's doing it and the opportunity presents itself does not mean that it's okay uh, for us as Christians or that it's the best thing for our life. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Lord, thank you for this time we can look at your word, and we pray that we would know how to assess the open doors and the closed doors that you give us in our daily lives. And may we, Lord, know with confidence that we are following your leadership, that our lives are headed toward your will and are currently in your will. We pray that we'd have hearts of, that are surrendered to know and to do it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, open doors, as I've already alluded to, can be both good and bad. Uh, in other words, there could be an open door that is not a good open door for you. Uh, it's open, sure, but it's not God's will for your life. And there can be open doors that God is most certainly in. I think I really first came to uh, uh, have to tackle this head-on when I went to college. Uh, or before college, everything was simple. I didn't have very many opportunities, and so if an opportunity came, you pretty much just took it because... <laughs> Opportunities are scarce, and we'll just take the next thing that comes. Go to college, and you have an opportunity to intern at the, at the college. You have an opportunity to intern at two or three churches off-site from the college. You have an opportunity to go on the traveling singing team. You have, have an opportunity to go with the traveling choir. You have an opportunity to go with the evangelistic team. You have an opportunity to go overseas on a missions trip, and all these opportunities are presented to you, and they're all open doors. So what's God's will? And that, those summers, I'm speaking of the summers mainly uh, there in college, those summers were great for me to have to do some growing up, spiritually speaking, 
and, and figure out. Uh, you can't just say it's God's will because a door opened. I've got to figure out which open door God wants me to go through. You know, you may have a job offer that is great pay in a, in a, in a great location and exactly what you want to do. And it's, it's an open door. It's right there. But you have to be able to say with confidence that this is not just an open door, but this is God's leadership for your life. Now, this is part of God's plan. This is the next step in you doing what he's put you here to do. The purpose that he has created you to fulfill. And, and this is part of it. Uh, we need more than just an open door. I remember when my wife and I were engaged, I was interning at my wife's church in Iowa. And uh, during that time, <clears throat> it was very convenient because we were engaged, you know, so I could see her, get to know her, get to know her family more and, and so forth. But uh, I got to know the, the church there very well, fell in love with the church, loved the pastor. And uh, the pastor came to me and, and asked me if I would consider uh, being the assistant pastor. And I, I totally was blown away by that. That was not the direction I thought my life was supposed to go. I thought at that time I was supposed to head toward full-time evangelism and uh, go get some seminary done. I had not uh, completed seminary at that time. It was started, but not finished. <clears throat> so I thought, what am I going to do? And they would have worked with me on seminary to get all that done. Uh, but it was an open door. And it's right there, and it's convenient, and this is my wife's church, my future wife's church, and her parents are there, and, and I know people, and I've been involved in this church all summer long, and it's a great church, and it's kind of like, well, why not? I mean, I don't have a reason, like, saying absolutely no, but I was kind of conflicted, because, you know, when you think you're going one way, and now you're being pulled another, <clears throat> what, 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 what is this? Is it the Lord? And so I remember praying, Lord, how am I going to go to evangelism from here? Maybe this is the road to evangelism. I don't know. But I thought I was supposed to go into evangelism. And now there's this opportunity. And so I remember praying and just saying, Lord, I want you to make it clear. I don't want to come here and minister in this church unless it is just abundantly clear. And, uh, and, and, and God did that for me. Um, there was a problem with the vote. We went to a vote. It got that far. And there was a problem with the vote. Evidently, several people who were not members uh, voted, and they voted no. And the vote got skewed. And uh, therefore, they said, oh, the vote was wrong. You know, we didn't actually meet the required number. Uh, so technically, it was, it would, if the vote wasn't skewed, uh, you know, if, if all of them had been legal votes, well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Anyway, we'll get off of the voting thing. But bottom line, they wanted to vote again. They wanted to vote again. And at that point, I, I had no peace. I just had no peace about it. It was like um, uh, whatever was there before that was open in my heart toward coming to this church, it was just snatched away. And I met with the pastor and the deacons, and they said, let us re-vote. We know uh, who voted no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long story, kind of funny. Uh, but they were not members, and, and so we know for a fact if we vote again, you will be voted in as the assistant pastor. And it just felt all wrong. I, I, just, I had no peace about it. 
Um, I asked the Lord to make it clear. I was nervous about being the assistant pastor where my wife grew up. Is that going to be hard for her? Is it going to be hard for me? Uh, and, and there were things about it that I was very unsure. I have a great relationship with my in-laws to this day, uh, but that maybe could have ruined it. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, uh, so when, when things went the way they went, the door was technically still open, wide open. Pastor Deacon said we can re-vote Wednesday night and you will be voted in. That is an open door. Uh, but in my heart, it was closed. And I believe, with all my heart looking back on it, it was, it was closed of the Lord. It was not what God would, what would have us to do. I uh, went back to seminary. We finished seminary. Then we went out into evangelism, as you know. And it was eight years of tremendous ministry and uh, preparation for really coming here as well. Uh, so open and closed doors cannot be the only thing that we're looking to. We need to see God leading in those doors and look a little bit deeper. Uh, sometimes there can be a door that's open to you, someone inviting you to do something, uh, but we need to consider who they are and what are they after and are they really working with the Lord on this, all right? Well, let me give you some examples of open doors that can be both good or bad. Uh, Genesis 3, 4, and the serpent said to the, wo the woman, ye shall not... Uh, I'm sorry, I think I put the wrong verse in there. No, no this is it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, ye shall not surely die, for, for, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So that was an open door. An open door to know all about everything, good and evil, and you'll be, you'll be as, as God. Uh, but obviously, that's not a door you want to go through. Uh, though it was wide open and very promising, it certainly was not a good open door. Genesis 14, 21, And the king of Sodom uh, said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. All right, let me review uh, this story. Um, you had, I, I think the guy's name is Chedelaramur, something like that. King Cheddar. Uh, he comes and he takes out Sodom and Gomorrah and capture, captures all of these people, including Lot, who was a relative of, of Abram, his nephew. And Abram says, not going to happen. He goes out and uh, has a war with this guy. And uh, he, he wipes them all out and comes back with all of the people and all of the goods. And, and then he is told by the king of Sodom and Gomorrah that he wants to shower him with gifts, essentially, and make him rich. And Abram said, not so. I don't want anyone to say that, that the king of Sodom and Gomorrah made Abram rich. I will not take your goods. That was an open door to get really rich really quick. And instantaneous, your ship just came in. But he did not want to be under the obligation of the king of Sodom and Gomorrah. It reminds me, um, I used to, I, 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 there was an individual, uh, I remember going out uh, to eat with this individual on several occasions and I would always try to grab the bill and I couldn't get it fast enough. And, and this one time I grabbed the bill and he snatched it from my hand. And I said, why won't you let me pay? And as he got up to, 
to go to the cash register, he says, I want your obligation. And off he went. And uh, 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 yeah, I didn't really appreciate that. That was the last time we ate together. That's another whole story. But bottom line, uh, Abram did not want to be obligated to the king of Sodom and Gomorrah for a lot of good reasons. Open door to get rich, but not a good outcome. He was thinking of more than just the riches. He was thinking of where is this thing going to go? Uh, Numbers 22, 16. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, for I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, and curse me this people. That was an open door. And that was a very tempting open door. Let nothing hinder thee. I'll promote you to great honor and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. You know how easy it would be to spiritualize this? Well, Lord, of course I should do this because there's so much to be gained from this guy and he's going to let me say whatever I want to say as long as I kind of curse your people. But then I, you know, I can tell this guy what to do and blah, blah, blah. You could have so easily worked your way into this and Balaam tried. But God would not let him curse the people of, of his choice. And uh, uh, Nalem actually paid dearly for going this route. He went through this door to his hurt. Uh, 1 Samuel 14, verse 8, Then said Jonathan, Behold, I will pass over unto these men and will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up to us and we will, then, then will we go up for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. So there was an open door that actually God was in. Now on these, I would say, be very cautious. I've had people say, all right, I'll go to church if when I look outside, the wind sock is pointed north. Ah, it's south, not going to church. <laughs> you know, that, that's not exactly how you do uh, the whole find God's will, um, especially when there are other things in the Bible that tell you what you're supposed to do. Like uh, in the case of going to church, that's what God commands us to do. Um, but here was a man who was walking with God and God allowed him this. And you do see this in, in the scripture several times where a man or a woman who was walking with the Lord was allowed a sign. And anyway, God gave him the open door and it was indeed from God. Acts 10, 22. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear, the word, hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them. On the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied them. There was an open door that he went through. And I think he did so because he ascertained that these people were sent by the Lord. He has had... A, a real uh, 
a visitation from an holy angel, it says, and he went through that door knowing it was from the Lord. Acts 16.9 was <clears throat> the last one. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Open door that God uh, clearly was in, and he went through it. <clears throat> so, uh, four questions I want us to consider as far as why should we refuse certain open doors or go through certain open doors. Four questions to consider. What is the spiritual condition of the person inviting you, first of all? And you see that in the passages that I read. You had Abram being invited to do something or to receive something by the king of Sodom. And then you had Paul being invited uh, through a vision that was from God. Okay, yeah, that's not exactly apples to apples there. Uh, you've got one wicked man and you've got another that is obviously coming from God. Uh, you know, if they are a Christian, if the individual who's offering you an opportunity is a Christian, it is important, I think, for you to try to just pray and ask the Lord to give you insight as to what all might be going on. Now, you can't see everything, but sometimes if you'll pray and you'll look, God can open your eyes to things. And Christians, folks, we just need to recognize this. Other Christians don't know the will of God for you, but they sure think they do many, many times. And many times they are well-intentioned, and they are not just well-intentioned, they are as sincere as can be. And they're passionate many times. I've had the most sincere, genuine Christians who love the Lord, who are passionate about something, come to me and say, John, you've got to do this. I mean, this is, this is huge, and this is God's will. I know, I know this is God's will for you. I've prayed about this, and I've been up at night praying about this, and your name was laid on my heart at 2 in the morning. You're just like, whoa, what in the world? Wow. Well, uh, there's more questions to ask. You know, if God can impress your name on their heart at 2 in the morning, he could do the same for you. Uh, it's always interesting to me when someone else has got this whole thing built, and the Holy Spirit has completely left me out of it. Like I haven't seen any of it coming. But they've got a sense and direction and confirmation and a verse and all of this stuff. You're just like, whoa. whoa, whoa. Um, now, I'm not saying these are bad people. I'm saying I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're good people and they're very sincere. Uh, but, but sometimes we need to, to ask the Lord to give us wisdom to look a little bit below the surface and see what all is going on here. And, and also, you know, let's just be honest, Christians don't always walk with God. We, we, I would love to say that we do, but we don't always walk with God. And sometimes we do miss it. And sometimes we are in sin and, and, and we, we don't get things right. And we're, we think we're seeing something for somebody else and we're not. Uh, so some questions you could ask is, is this person right with the Lord? Is this person walking with God? A good question to ask this person who is telling you you're called to come with them to China or whatever. I mean, if that's God, great. But you just better know it's God. Um, you could ask them, hey, how much have you prayed about this? Um, I had a pastor who, who called me a couple of times trying to get me to be his assistant pastor. And I could just, I could just sense this was not of the Lord. 
This guy was very, very much desperate, and he needed uh, the skills that he felt I could provide as an evangelist. Uh, he wanted an evangelistic assistant pastor, and uh, young, and I just fit the bill. I was young, young married, and all of this. And uh, the more we talked, the more vehement he got about this. And I could, the Lord just gave me wisdom on it. I don't know. I can't say anything else except I just said I just had a sense in my heart that he hadn't prayed a lick. And so I said, look, I'll pray about this opportunity as much as you have, which is not at all. And he actually, thankfully, he was, he was uh, at least honest enough to admit, well, you're right. I haven't prayed about it. But then he came back with, but you know what, brother? There's just some stuff you know so well, you don't even have to pray. I just know. <laughs> okay, well, uh, thank you, but no thanks. Um, that was not God's will. I know for a fact that was not God's will. And, and there was some hidden motive, some hidden agenda, you know, that Christians can even have. And, and we're all human. And I don't say that to demean anybody or disparage anybody or to disillusion anybody with other Christians. It's just we're all people and we can all get bent out of shape or get bent on something. And so if you're going to go through an open door, it's got to be an open door that has the Holy Spirit opening it, not your buddy or some mentor. Uh, mentors are great, but you have to stand before God one day on your own two feet and account for the decisions you made, the doors that you went through. Uh, so consider, what is the spiritual condition of the person inviting you? And if it's an unsaved individual, obviously, they're, they're not walking with the Lord, or they're, they're not praying about it and so forth, but you still just want to see, uh, Lord, show me, is there something I'm missing here? Is there something that you could bring to light that, that would give me more insight on, on why this is coming my direction and make sure that, it, that there's nothing uh, maybe, maybe no hidden, hidden motive or agenda. Uh, what is the spiritual condition of the person inviting you? That's the first. Then secondly, what are your real goals and motives for pursuing the open door? Jeremiah 17.9. Do you guys know this? Everybody should know Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Did I miss a phrase? Did I, I think I might have missed a phrase. Okay, I got out of order. All right. So I need to review the verse, but the idea there is uh, that above all things, that's a lot of things, our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and we can't even know our own heart. Uh, so to answer question number two, fair warning, you might need somebody else's help with this one. If you're married, your spouse would be a great one to ask, hey, uh, Am I, am I pursuing this with an open heart or am I, <laughs> am I already uh, convinced? And my wife can see right through me on things and she'll just say, honey, are you sure that you really want this for the right reason? And ah, I don't always want to hear that, but I need to hear that. And it's very helpful to check my motives. Sometimes folks, we have already decided to do something in our heart and we go through the motions of praying about it and seeking the Lord and everything else, but the truth is it's signed, sealed, and delivered. We're going. What's the motive for that? What is our goal? And so this is where you can get out a piece of paper with a pen 
and just begin to write out what is in your heart. Why am I wanting this? What, what are the, what's in it for me? You know, what are the pros? What are the cons? And, and I've done this before, and it, it helps so much. Sometimes when it just stays in your head, you can't really pin down your thoughts. They just swirl around. You take those thoughts and you put them down in ink, and then you, you, you kind of captured them. And then you can pray over those things, and you can look at those things and, and try to, to, to figure out, uh, what is my heart? And am I, am I uh, f- following a, a motive that is mine, or am I surrendered truly to what God wants for my life? What are your real goals and motives for pursuing the open door? Thirdly, have you adequately considered the consequences? <clears throat> now, consequences sounds so harsh. Maybe I could have said results, but I took it from the book, okay? Have you adequately considered the results? Or, you know, when you push down one domino and they're all lined up, the next domino falls, the next, the next, the next. And so it is, with any decision, good or bad, there are dominoes that fall. Those can be good, we'll call those results. They can be bad, we'll call those consequences. And so you have a job opportunity. It's going to move you to Alaska. You and your family are going to move to Alaska. And it's going to be three times the pay and company vehicle and the best benefits and just everything is awesome. But where are my kids going to go to church? Where are we going to go to church? Uh, what are we going to do about school? What is it going to be like on my wife, on, on our family? Uh, so many other things that you need to think through. Is there a church in the area? Um, there could be, it could be a wonderful decision that could set your kids up for a wonderful future of walking with God. Or you could look back 20 years later and say, boy, that move to Alaska was the worst thing that we ever did for our kids. We lost everything we had built. You know, that'd be a terrible, terrible thing. Have you considered where this decision can lead? So I want you to think about Lot. Lot was given the opportunity to choose the land that he wanted. And he, cho- he chose the plush green land that was right there near Sodom. Wasn't in Sodom, just outside. And he pitched his tent toward Sodom. So that's where their heart was. That's where their, their focus was. And you know how the story ends. It begins with the, 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 the tent is pitched toward Sodom. It ends where? They're in Sodom. And they have married into to the culture and, the, and so forth. And it's just a sad, sad story where that whole thing goes. Uh, Lot, I'm sure, had the best aspirations for that move. My cattle will get the greenest grass, the, the, the most lush nutrients. We are going to get rich. We are going to be able to provide for our family. And my kids will, will have everything that they need. I'll be just such a great dad. And, oh, it'll be wonderful. But he lost them all to the devil. No doubt they did have it all. Uh, it seems that Lot, when you, when you fast forward, it seems that he was respected in the town. Maybe that he had become something in, in the city. Hey, he had been successful as a man of business, as a man in the community, but he lost his family. Well, that, that just tells you uh, this whole opportunity, this open door, had some consequences that were very, very negative. The fourth question to ask would be, 
Are your spiritual fathers forbidding you? What are your spiritual fathers telling you, your mentors? Uh, if you're younger and you're, you're living at home, you're, you're living with your father or mother, that, that, that wisdom should be taken very seriously. And, and recognize that God put you in that family for a purpose. And so talk to your parents and work together to prayerfully find the will of God. Uh, but that's actually your physical father and mother. But uh, what about spiritual fathers? Uh, there are other people that God has in your life who are in positions of influence or positions of leadership, positions of mentorship, and you go to them for counsel. This could be your parents, if they know the Lord. Uh, this, this could be uh, older brothers and sisters in Christ, could be a, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, could be a pastor, uh, could be an evangelist coming through. Uh, but you're seeking the Lord and you're getting answers from different ones. What are they telling you? <clears throat> and I would tell you again, this is not something uh, to, to just pass over. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And I know some people are very, very private. And privacy is fine. You're allowed to be private. Uh, but there are some times where you need to divulge to somebody what you're praying about because of your own deceitful heart, because you need a bigger perspective. And uh, don't let being ultra-private keep you from getting the necessary counsel that you need. But then once you get that counsel, what do you do with it? I'll tell you, now me as a pastor, I give counsel sometimes. Um, usually, I, I would say most of the time when I counsel people, uh, I'm just going to be honest. I, most times people just want to offload and, and tell me what they're, what they're dealing with and so forth. I actually don't give that much counsel. I'd probably do way more soundboarding than I do counseling. Uh, but then also, if I'm going to give counsel, I have to figure out if they want the counsel. Did they come to, to me to get counsel or did they come to me because they wanted to share something? And if I think they want counsel and they didn't come for that, that doesn't go well. So I do give some counsel um, uh, when it's appreciated, you know, and, and, and hopefully it's, it's of help. But I'll tell you this, I do not want the responsibility of controlling your life, okay? I don't. Um, I would say you should come to your pastor for counsel on a big decision. I, I would tell that to anybody. And I say that only because this is what I believe about pastors, not because I want it. I would love it if none of you ever came to me about anything. I don't have to stand before the Lord and account for it. It's totally 100% on you. And I can say, Lord, I didn't know a thing about that. Didn't know anything about it. They did that on their own. I was in the dark. Um, so to my own detriment, I just want to say, I, 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 I willingly <laughs> uh, offer you to come for counsel, but I don't want you to think that I'm over here just wanting to tell you what to do or move you around my chessboard. Uh, that's not what I want. I, I'd rather, I'd honestly rather just, um, you know, I'll do my thing, you do yours. But that's not what God's called me to. God's called me to be a pastor. And being a pastor means I need to be able to counsel those who come to me who want counsel. Uh, we can go down that road together prayerfully, uh, but I, I, I by no means uh, want to push anything upon you. Uh, so in other words, 
uh, don't, don't hesitate. Uh, if, you're, if you're in the middle of something and you want to set up a meeting to talk, uh, we'll pray together. We'll search the Word of God together. We'll look at uh, the, the circumstances and so forth and, and trust the Lord to give leadership. But what are your spiritual counselors telling you? Are they forbidding you? In other words, saying, don't do this. Um, I, would, I would listen in that situation. That could be an open door, but others who are seeing things, maybe that you're not seeing, are saying that's, that is not a good open door. Take those things seriously. Okay, we're almost out of time. Uh, next thing, is it a temptation or a test? Is it a temptation or a test? Some open doors are actually temptations. A temptation is an open door to do wrong, masterfully crafted by Satan as a wonderful opportunity. And that would be Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1, verse 10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And then verses 11 through 19 go on to paint this picture. Come, let us sneak away to do evil and shed innocent blood and all of that. Um, uh, obviously, there are open doors to temptation that we need to consent not to. And we cannot say, well, it's accepted culturally. Oh, well, it's legal. Oh, well, you know, in our culture, everybody does it and it's no problem. Uh, we are citizens of heaven living here. We have a different rule book. We have a different uh, destiny we are just different. The Bible says you're peculiar people. Uh, in other words, you're a special called out people that God has called for something greater than just selling ourselves with the open doors of this world. Uh, we talked about Abram and how he said, I'm not going to be under the obligation of this king of Sodom. I want to keep my integrity. I just went after... I just went into this war to retrieve what was mine, my, my uh, kin. There are many who have followed open doors to their shame. Cain, Balaam, Korah, Achan. Achan saw, he was tempted, he took, and he died. Ahab, Judas Iscariot. How'd you like to make 30 pieces of silver? Sure, open door, bad open door. Demas hath forsaken me, Paul said having loved this present world. So temptations are obviously open doors, but those that we should refuse. Uh, a test is an open door God might use to expose what is really in your heart. Hezekiah had a show-and-tell session with Babylon where he took the Babylonian ambassadors and walked them all over. And uh, the Bible says, how be it in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. Sometimes God will test us. So the reason I put that up there, well, besides the fact that it was in the book, okay, what does it have to do with all of this? It has to do with this. I get this question all the time. Pastor Barber, well, if it's not God's will, why'd God give me this open door? I mean, come on. This is a wide open door. This is a great opportunity. This is phenomenal. And it came to me and I wasn't looking for it. So if it's, if it's not God's will, why did God do this? Well, it could be a test of some sort. God's wanting to see if you will search this thing out, if you will uh, pray this thing through, 
and, and see it from every angle, and maybe this is preying upon some of your baser desires or uh, to per, just pursue a quick, a quick uh, success path or whatever, you're, and you're losing your principles, you're losing your purpose. Sometimes God gives you an open door so that he can try you and to see what is in your heart. Do they really want to serve me first? Am I, number one, are they surrendered? So let's close with this. How do you view open doors? Do you run through every open door just because it's open? Do you run from every closed door just because it's closed? I didn't talk about that very much. But sometimes we'll say, oh, closed door. Wasn't God. You know, sometimes God closes a door or it seems closed because, again, he's testing you to see if you'll pray, to see if you'll persevere. And sometimes you have to uh, stick with it and you realize, oh, that door wasn't closed. Do you seek the Lord about every open and closed door? That's the key. Prayer, counsel, and looking to him for peace. So let's assess the open doors. Let's assess the closed doors and, and trust God uh, to lead us in these. Next week is, uh, let's see, it is called Advice for Seeking Advice. Seeking counsel. This can be tricky. We alluded to it a little bit today, uh, but it can be very tricky, especially when other people seem to have all of God's will mapped out for your life. Uh, it can be interesting, but we don't want to pull away from getting counsel. We just want to get counsel the right way. So that'll be next week. Lord, thank you for uh, this time. I pray that you would help each of us here uh, to, to put you first and to be surrendered to you. Lord, that we would uh, have a heart that wants to do your will and do what is your purpose for our life. Help us, Lord, to be able to work through these open doors and closed doors, to be able to come to that place of peace, that we're going your direction. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'd bless now as we go to prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.